0: Hello and welcome to the Gunner Talk back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series. The day after, the night before, where Arsenal drew 0-0 against Brighton at the Amex Stadium. A game in which I know frustrated a hell of a lot of people. Um, I saw quite a bit of negative reaction after the game, which is, you know, understandable considering the fact that we come off the back of what 3 3 defeats 3 wins and then going into that game you've got yourself quite hyped there was a lot of positivity around the result and that came across in a lot of our predictions there are things that I'm going to criticize there are things that I'm going to praise uh, but what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to lose my head as I've seen so many other people do unfortunately because quite frankly like to get to to use that game for instance as a reason to say jump off any kind of Arteta bandwagon that had built up over the last two to three weeks. It's just silly. I mean, you guys know my position and it still is what it is. My position was that I felt that a change of manager after the Villarreal defeat was what was the right decision. And it's good. And I said, it would take time for me to, to jump back on boards, kind of the train of Arteta's process. Um, and after the Spurs game, I was very much right. This is this is so much better. This is what I want to see. I can see a system. I can see a style. I can see what we're trying to do. Now, just because the Brighton game wasn't great, just because the Brighton game wasn't what I wanted to see, doesn't mean I'm all of a sudden going, oh, there you go. Look, look, that's what we get under Arteta. Look, look at that. Look what happened. No, because that would be ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. To, just to, to ignore everything that's happened over the last two to three weeks because of a nil-nil draw away at a very decent Brighton side I'm not going to lose my head about that we're going to go into some of the things that I think were wrong it's not like I'm not going to criticize Arteta because there were things that were wrong and certainly there were some really poor performances from specific players as well that we'll talk about that I don't think you can pin on Arteta either but We'll go into all of that and we'll get your thoughts and we'll get your theories. Good morning to everybody in the chat box. Thank you for joining me, as always, 8am every single day. Thank you so much uh, for you guys to uh, to make this part of your morning routine, as I've said already. Please do drop a like on today's video and subscribe to the Guna Talk if you haven't already. There'll be more content for you coming over. The international break, as always, we'll be doing plenty more updates on how our players are getting on on loan and looking, of course, back to the Brighton game in the TGT podcast. So you'll still be able to get your Arsenal fix, even though Arsenal aren't actually playing. Uh, we'll be getting really, um, we're getting through plenty of your comments today and uh, and going through how you feel about the game yesterday. Uh, there won't be the usual presentation that there usually is for the new show because this is just the raw reaction show straight after. Uh, well, you know less than 24 hours after the game so let me go let me go through the positives let's do, let's start with the positives and guys if you have a positive I'd like you to throw it into the chat box now that's what I want to see first of all and then we'll go through some of the criticisms in a little bit but tell me what you felt was good about yesterday's performance because I thought the way we defended was excellent like we, we you talk people talk about the 20 plus shots that Brighton had but the shots that they were having were from so unlikely to score positions because we limited them to those. I think I can think of two or three chances that I think you could say were, you know, where where they should be scoring. The Dan Burn header from the cross in the first half, the the, uh, the cross for Neil Mopé that Ramsdale did amazingly well to stop. Um, and to be honest, I said two or three. I can't really think of a third. Maybe you guys can remind me of something. Um, but I really can't. I can't think of any opportunity that they had. I mean, Booz, uh, Bozu in the chat box says they only had just over one uh, XG in the game. In fact, I'm going to have a quick look at the uh, the XG for the game. Just have a look at what ours and what theirs was as well. I was just going to stats quickly. I mean, I'll share my screen so you guys can see it as well. Let's throw this up on the screen so you guys can have a look. Here we go. Um, so, uh, the game Arsenal's XG 0.32. Well, I mean, Brighton's XG was 2.94 according to, <laughs> according to this. So I wouldn't say it was just over one, uh, cause it's 2.94 according to, uh, according to scout 20, 21 shots, four on target, 19% of those on target. I think they could have had a few shots that, that should have gone in and eventually that just builds up, doesn't it, to the to the 2.94 that it was, um, which is way above what they're usually expected. It's um, not even way above what they usually expected because Brighton have shown this season that they just aren't really good at finishing so far. Um, and, and that's a big problem for us. Let me zoom in. So it's easier for you guys to see. Let's scroll down. Why isn't it scrolling down? That's not There we go. Okay. So the issue for me with the, the way in which we're conceding chances is in the wider positions and why we're not kind of stopping the crosses that are coming in. Tommy Asu did it really well against Norwich and Burnley and Spurs, getting close to Mark Kukurea, but um, but in terms of who plays in his position. But yesterday, Mark Kukurea in particular, specifically for Brighton, was brilliant. And it's annoying because I've said, I've said this so many times, but like if Arsenal want to sign someone on the left-hand side, Mark Kukureo would have been an excellent option. He was really good for Hatafé, came through the La Academy, has always been someone that's been impressive, despite not playing at the biggest of clubs. He was at Abar for a time as well. But he was brilliant. Um, the problem for Tomiyasu was that he was so isolated at times and so on his own at times because of the system. Brighton's system was able to overrun Arsenal, but we're focusing on the positives. So, the way in which Gabriel and White have defended together was really good. I mean, you can't say too much more about that, to be fair. The two of them are forming a much better partnership you wouldn't it was not toothless even though gabriel certainly did lose one during the game and both of them dealt with situations really really well they were calm on the ball they communicated well there was only one time i think where ben white's passing let him down and that was when he passed it out straight to one of the brighton midfielders who then countered immediately but they they were excellent in how they dealt with the attacks from brighton and how they dealt with Neil Mopay and, and leandro trossard and we, I never felt like we would concede. To be honest, I said I put a tweet out after the game in which I said I felt like we could have played another ninety minutes, and I still don't think we would have conceded. It was a very resolute defensive display, but um, beyond that, I'm trying to think. Emil Smith Rowe didn't offer the goals and assists that he has, and he should have taken really the chance that he had when he was through on goal. Uh, I think he to shoot straight at the keeper is characteristic of a player that isn't often in those opportunities. And I was hoping that he would put it to the right of the keeper, like, you know, really curl the shot to the bottom left-hand corner across the goalkeeper rather than straight at him. But that is what you'd expect um, from a player like Smith-Rowe, who is still 21 years of age and developing, and it's not part of his ingrained... Kind of attributes of his game, so hopefully that's something that will improve with time. But it was a big, big chance that you'd hope that a player would take, and he didn't in that scenario. But besides that, he was probably our best player in the attacking third. Uh, Gabriel and White and Ramsdale, our best players in the defensive third, and that—that's kind of where my positivity runs out because we—it was a case of we defended for our lives for most of the game and had a couple of counterattacks, but beyond that. And the lineup, to be fair, the lineup I thought was spot on. And a lot of us wanted that lineup. In fact, in our preview show, every single one of the four of us, me, Pablo, Dan and Ojo, all picked that team, as I know a hell of a lot of other people did as well. So the actual lineup selection I thought was right. But then the negatives start to come forward where (laughs) the negatives come forward when we start to look at how we manage the game during the match um, and Arteta's lack of change of the formation when it proved that it wasn't working. So whilst we can all sit here and go, yeah, that was definitely the formation that we wanted to see. That was the the, the players that we wanted to see. We aren't coaches and we aren't managers, but we shouldn't be able to be sitting there going, Brighton are absolutely dominating us. We should probably change this and it wasn't going to happen. So we'll have a look what you're saying in the chat box, to get your positives, and then we'll go through some of the other side of things. Uh, let's scroll up to quite far up, because so I want to get quite a few of your comments. Here we go. Positives, positives, positives. Um, let's go for the defence, says Black and Blanco. Yes, uh, Gabriel and White, says Olu. Uh, John Bamford saying nothing. Not really True, is it? Um, We didn't lose, uh, it says Chris. Bungle says Gabrielle was a pillar and a leader. Ramsdale and the defence, says Steve Stone. Gabrielle and White, that's it, says Alfie. What about Ramsdale? I thought Ramsdale was a positive during the game. Is Fly uh, says Chris, says White and Gabrielle's partnership is becoming a real deal. Uh, Ian says, in my humble opinion, it was a match against a side who were more sure of what to do on the pitch. Whenever team presses well, we cannot seem to cope with it. Uh, Matt says, I'm only disappointed that we didn't score because I would have loved to have seen the team do the crying celebration in front of Mopay. Wouldn't we all, mate? Wouldn't we all? Uh, Nikolai says, the defence was pressured and they stayed together. This is something that we can build upon. When you've got a side that's got a few goals in them, like Arsenal don't seem to have right now, but you've got a very leaky defence, you get a situation like we found last season. Last season, we were shipping goals, absolutely shipping them. So the fact that this season we've got this strong foundation that we're building from does bode well in games going forwards, and we should be able to hopefully continue to challenge for our targets. We just need to sort that final third out because it's really not working at the moment. Uh, Namish says, wasn't a bad point in my opinion. Fans always get carried away with uh, with big wins. Last season, we should have lost this game. Let's build on that defence. And that was a point that was brought up by a lot of people. Last season, and probably many seasons prior to this, we would have lost that game. You can't win every single game in the league. You got, you just can't do that. You are going to have games like this. You look at other teams like Man United dropping points this weekend, the amount of teams that dropped points last weekend when we won against Spurs. You're not going to win every single game, no matter if you're Arsenal, Brighton, Wolves or Manchester City. You can't have amazing performances every single week. And I know that we've not had amazing performances for a lot of this season. But in the way in which we defended and kept the point in that game, that could prove to be a difference maker. Because we've missed out on top four at times by a single point. So... Making sure you get a point when you don't look like you should deserve one. I mean, when you come out of a game with 0.32 XG in comparison to 2.94 XG of the opponent, and you get a point, that's a positive. And it does go to show that your defense is being... <clears throat> let's go into... Let's go further down. Let's uh, let's talk about the, the other side of the game. Um, Let's start off with Xhaka, because I think that's a point that I think a lot of people are very divided on, is Granite Xhaka and his lack of presence in the team. I agree, and I've got a more in-depth article coming out a little bit later on this morning, which I'll make sure to share. But I think it's ignorant to say we didn't miss him. I'll be flat out about it. To say that we didn't miss Xhaka, or that you're annoyed at seeing people say that we missed Xhaka, is ignorant and I think it shows an agenda to be honest against the player. That's my blunt opinion about people who feel that he wasn't missed because he was missed. Should we have a better player than Granite Jacker? Absolutely. If there's an opportunity to upgrade on any player, we should upgrade upon them. Should we have a better player than Granite Jacker? Yes, absolutely. But the problem is, is we have him. And we don't have better than him alongside Partey. Sambi Lakonga, I love him. I think he's going to be a great player. But he's 21. And he's just come to the Premier League from the Pro League. And it is a big, big step up. And he's very raw still. He is not the finished article. He is not better than Xhaka. He was at the start of the season. But like the first three games, you would say that Sambi Laconga outperformed Xhaka in those first three matches. But I think that was more down to form than it was down to overall quality. Xhaka is better than Lokonga right now, overall. But Lokonga in the first few games did outshine Xhaka. But Xhaka returned against Spurs and showed what he can do. And it's tactically where we fall down without Xhaka. It's not specifically just him that we lack. It's just we lack someone that does the things that he does we lack a left footer in the midfield. I thought the fact that Lukonga and Partey playing together, it really limited and restricted how we were able to break out on our left-hand side. Because what you typically have is you have Jacker on the left, Partey on the right, a right footer on the right, a left footer on the left, which means you can feed those passing lanes out to the wider positions. Because we didn't have that, we had a right footer passing to the left, which was an incisive pass rather than an outswinging pass, and so Tierney was much less effective. This is one of the big reasons as to why Arteta really does prefer to have a left-footed centre-back. It's the same. It's the same thing. You want the left footers to pass out balls through into your left back or your left winger because it enables you to run onto those passes. If you have a right footed passer passing to the left hand side, it curves inwards and it makes it much more difficult to control, especially during those conditions. And it slows the attack down. It enables the opposition more time to press and to turn over possession and to win the ball back. And so what happens is you often see the right footed left sided midfielder or the right sided left footed centre back turning onto their right foot and passing further out to the right-hand side. And that's why Tierney was nearly invisible during the entire game. It's because we just lacked that pass out to the left-hand side. It just wasn't happening for us during the game. And that's why we miss Yaka. It's not to do with, for me, it's not to do with his leadership. It's not to do with uh, his shooting from outside the box or his shouting or anything like that. It's just a tactical thing that we miss. It's just a tactical thing that we missed in the game. Uh, honestly, if people are just going to come in here and bash uh, over and over again with comments like if they aren't offering anything, I'm just going to. It's just, just going to be gone. You need to be constructive because, frankly, just coming into a chat box and just bashing Arsenal, bashing the manager with no context is just not fair, right? So you know, you could just go. <laughs> in terms of the tactical side of what we miss in Xhaka, that's what's clear for me. That's what's obvious for me, is that we miss that tactical thing that he brings to the game. And when we look at Sambi Lekonga, he has a long, long way to go. I'm not going to bash Sambi Lekonga. I'm not going to go, he was dreadful. He was terrible. I didn't think he had his best game. He's 21 years of age. We've got an average age of this team. I think it's, what, 23, 24? And Sambi Lekonga is under that average age. He needs to improve a lot. And I actually thought he was better than Partey. Lukonga, he did more than Partey did. Partey was awful, really poor, really, really poor. And he's one of the experienced players. And I, you know how much I love Thomas Partey. I think he's a step above on average and he's raw quality than pretty much everyone else on the pitch. But he was so, so poor that twenty-one-year-old, inexperienced, coming to the Premier League for the first time, Lukonga was better than him. And contextually, that shouldn't happen. That should not happen. So. I I, not, I don't know why Partey played the way he did, but he just kept on trying to do things. He thought he was. I think he had. He thought he had so much more time on the ball. He played like a very. He played very La Liga, is what I would say. Because in La Liga, you as a player in midfield, especially, have so much more time on the ball than you do in the Premier League. And it was almost like Partey slipped into the mindset of playing in La Liga again where you have more time to do what you want. He turned away from the... He thinks every time that you're going towards someone, he can just turn away from them. The problem is, in La Liga, players do step off. Players do give you more time. But in the Premier League, if you turn away from someone that's in front of you, there's someone else closing you down on the other side. And they nick the ball off you. And that happened, I think, three or four times to Thomas Partey. It's just a real big problem that, for me it's it's not something I'm concerned... I say it's a big problem. I don't think it's a massive issue. I just think it's something that he needs to adjust and to not forget the kind of league that he's in. And because those two central midfielders, Lukonga and Partey, were really ineffective, Odegaard, who was in front of them, just got nothing. Wasn't able to get anything. And the few times that he got on the ball was closed down very quickly because the movement just wasn't there. I think it'd be very harsh to look at that performance and go, oh, Erdogan was terrible. Erdogan was one of the biggest reasons why we didn't win the game. I don't think that's true. Because if you want a player like a number 10 to be influential on the game, like he can be, you need to give him more service. You need to move for him. The lack of, if you compare the movement of Arsenal against Brighton compared to the movement of Arsenal against Spurs, it's night and day. The movement was so different. But what I will say about Odegaard is I don't think he pressed anywhere near as much as he pressed in the other games. I think he got a little bit irritated by the fact he wasn't receiving the ball enough. And he just kind of dropped that performance level when you need players like that to step up. So that is a criticism, a fair criticism of him. So that's kind of the individual players. Bamiang, isolated very characteristic of what we've seen from him before. And yeah, we did look better when Akazet came on. Um, I think that was more to do with us growing into the game and Brighton getting a bit tired towards the end. And so we were able to get on the ball more. The like-for-like change was not something I was really in favour of because the biggest criticism for me is Arteta in this game. Because these are the games where a quality, world-class, experienced coach changes things. These are the games in which a manager goes, right. I thought the 4-2-3-1, as I think all of us did, was the right way to set up. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Make a light-for-light change in regards to Lukonga coming in for Xhaka. Start the game. But what really top-quality managers do is that they assess the situation and they go... How are, they, how are they dominating us? Which Brighton were. They dominated us in regards to possession, in regards to turnover, in regards to recoveries, in regards to shots on goal. And the way that you deal with that is that you need to try and change things to combat their successes. And their successes came, as we all know, through Mark Cucurea on the left and through some attacks centrally through the lights of Trossard and Neil Mopay and, and crosses coming in from the right-hand side from Veltman, which we really struggled to deal with. It was the wide areas. We really struggled with the wide areas. And that, as we saw against Chelsea, was always going to be the problem. Because when you play a back four against a back three with wing-backs, you are always going to have a real tough time. And it's ironically it's ironically what man we did really well against manchester city in our fa cup run if you remember back to that fa cup run and i think if i go back let me just check the score against chelsea in the fa cup final i know that frank lampard was manager but what was the formation that chelsea used during the game i'm just trying to find out what their lineup was chelsea chelsea used a 3-4-3 And they used Azpilicueta, Zumas, Rudiger, Alonso, Kovacic, and Jorginho. And it was a very kind of balanced game. You look at the Manchester City game, where Arsenal were able to come out quite comfortably in that fixture. We played a 3-4-3, and we beat them. And it's it's just the way that a back three often just trumps a back four. And because if you can overload the fullbacks and get balls into the box, you're going to create chances all day long. Not only that... But the way in which we spread the play against Spurs and we were able to really kind of transition the ball from one side to the other really quickly, really stretch the, the Spurs back four, we weren't really able to get in the positions to do that against Brighton. But the problem was, is because they've got these three <laughs> big centre-backs, as Ramsdale explained after the game, if you want to try and go long, you've got to make your your pass almost exactly perfect to try and get any kind of possession in a long ball scenario. Playing out from the back is really hard from a back four standpoint, especially when your two central midfielders aren't really playing that well, which Lokonga and Partey weren't, especially Partey, and you can't get out. Then as soon as they turn over possession, they've got an immediate man over. They usually outnumber you by at least one or two players. And that means they're never going to lose the ball that easily. And you're left running backwards to try and get back into the positions that you need to be in. And so the problem was, is that Mikel Arteta didn't recognise this. And whilst you had people online going, where's, bring on Lacazette for, for Aubameyang, bring on so-and-so. And I was going, no, let's bring on either one of Maitland-Niles or Cedric, change to a back three, put one of those two in a right wing-back position, move Tierney to a left wing-back role, take off one of Lokonga, Odegaard or Smith-Rowe and move one whoever's left into the left wing position, Aubameyang up top, Saka on the right. Then you've got two players in the wide areas, you don't have the overload in the wide position, so you can deal with the crosses much better. And you can actually counter more effectively because you've got overlapping runs and you've got two left footers on each side or, or a right foot or, or two right footers on the right and two left footers on the left. But it was just like-for-like like changes. I think the first change we made was Smith uh, Odegaard came off for Pepe. So you're taking off uh, an attacking midfielder, moving your other winger into an attacking midfield position and putting Pepe back on the left. No change. And then in the end, Saka moved back to the left-hand side, which just doesn't work. I mean, it's really, really frustrating because Saka is so much better on the right. And Pepe really struggled and offered absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing when he came on, let's be real. He, he didn't offer anything. Then we made the change for Aubameyang and for Lacazette. And Lacazette, because the Brighton were tiring by this point, we were able to get on the ball a bit more. We were able to get the ball up to Lacazette a bit more and he was able to play the passes that he was. But we still didn't create anything of note, unfortunately. We still didn't create anything we needed because we still lacked the the numbers in the wide areas. And that's that's what's really frustrating. That's what I get really annoyed about And what makes me feel justified in my criticisms of Arteta is because whilst I think he's got some really good ideas, whilst I think he's got the right mindset when it comes to recruiting players, and he's shown that over his tenure, it's the in-game stuff that I get worried about. Because when I watch Chelsea, or when I watch Manchester City, or when I watch last season, not so much this season, Leicester, and I watch the managers in those games make changes to the formation, to the systems, to the the style of the players that are on the pitch, to try and combat what's going on. That's when I get frustrated because we just don't have that yet in Arteta. He's just not experienced enough at the moment in time to make these clear changes. And annoyingly, it only takes one game to try it. And it only takes one game for it to be a success, for you to build upon that and to learn to do it and to do it in a lot more games. He has, I can't remember who said it. I think it was Hush, um, one of my colleagues over at the Arsenal Way. It might have been Umar, actually. And do watch our reaction to the game yesterday over on the Arsenal Way. But one of them said that he has, uh, Arteta has a very Wenger style of loyalty towards his team. It's a very kind of, you know, I want to trust these players to get the job done. And I want to have my formation, my system vindicated. Uh, and that's what I think is, is the issue for me, um, is that he wants too much of the players to just go out and play the way they've practiced on the training ground rather than in-game recognising the mistake, recognising where we're being battered and change the formation corresponding to that. So that's, they my criticisms. But we will go through plenty of your uh, comments in the chat box as well. So let's... Let's have a look at what you're saying. Uh, Ilyas says Laka changed the game when he came on, held the ball up and worked, held the ball up well, and sprayed some good passes to the final third. I think that if Laka had come on twenty minutes earlier, like so many people were calling for, I don't think he would have done what he did in those last ten to fifteen minutes. I think the way in which he was able to get on the ball more was because Brighton were tiring by this point, and so we were able to get the ball up to him better. I feel like if we'd have switched formation at half time and gone and matched them at three four three, you're not matched them, but matched the back three specifically and gone three four three. I think Abamieh would have had a lot more joy. So I think Abamieh would have got more chances. I don't. I genuinely don't think that you can pin the big change that was necessary on Lacazette for Abamieh, because to your striker, you need to get them the ball more often, and we weren't doing that we weren't getting the ball to the strikers more often than the way we needed to do that was by matching their back three and against Chelsea, we didn't do it. And today we didn't do it. And it was frustrating. Uh, I says, could not agree more. Tom, absolutely spot on. And that is why we will stumble time after time. Uh, Neil says, lacquer should come on earlier. We're kicking the ball long to Abamyang, And every time we didn't win the second ball, that changed with lacquer and the Pepe should have come on earlier. with The direct threat. I don't agree with either point, Neil. Um, I don't think Laka coming on earlier changes anything because I don't think we have enough possession still. It's a like-for-like change. And Pepe coming on didn't do anything. Pepe didn't change anything when he came on. He came on, took a poor corner, uh, made a couple of decent runs but was never found because we didn't have enough players in the tacks. Didn't change anything. Making like-for-like changes changes nothing about a performance. The only way you're going to change anything is hoping that your opponent changes Based upon the subs and that they panic and that they make mistakes or the manager of the opposition makes mistakes with what, how he reacts to your substitutions, which Potter didn't do. And by the way, I haven't mentioned Potter yet. Is doing fantastic. Absolutely brilliant right now and I was very critical of Graham Potter last season and I felt I was quite right to be critical of Graham Potter last season because he won one home game in the entirety of 2020 with a team that I felt was much better I felt he was underperforming with a Brighton side that I felt contained a lot of a lot better players than they were being given credit for and I actually thought they were underperforming this season more good signings Kukurea uh wepu coming in he's bringing through some good young guys as well the likes of murder being brought into the team obviously you've got the likes of basuma lamty is not even playing at the moment i feel like if they had a real good striker they could be a genuine force they could, if, if in january they can get hold of a clinical forward they could be a real good push for a good top half finish in the table that's all they're lacking right now brian they got a really good defense really good style and system and they've got the perfect players to do it. I also feel like if they gradually move Lamptey into a right wing-back role, they could find themselves having as much joy as they are on the left with Kukurea as they can have on the right. So we'll see if that changes. But yeah, you have to say that it's taken him time, Potter, to really integrate what he wants. And that's one of the big things where people say that Potter should be brought in at Arsenal is because I think they would struggle with the amount of time that it's taken for Potter to get the best from Brighton. If you look at his tenure over Brighton, I think he was quite slow at the beginning. and He wanted to get some more of his players in, but he's gradually got his system implemented. And that's the issue I think that Arsenal fans would find and that while they were clamouring for Potter to be appointed now, if he was to come into Arsenal, it would take time again for him to implement his style, his system, his players that he wants because we'd change completely what we're going from now into a new system. Would I be against Potter being brought in? Again, I've said for some time I will hold my judgment till the end of the season, but it's looking very, very positive right now. But I still don't think we're changing manager anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, let's go to Anne. who says, fine margins, but how much did we miss Xhaka? We need to appreciate what he does. Uh, great defensive display. We're no longer a soft touch. Again, talked about that earlier on. So you can find my comments on on Xhaka early on. Uh, Paul says, "Would you agree that Arteta might have made changes sooner if we still had water breaks during the game? He used to use them effectively. I mean, people may laugh at that question, but he did use those water breaks very effectively during games. But it can't be that. You can't. You can't be. It can't be that. Like you can't turn around and say that he needs water breaks to be a good manager. Yes, he used them very well, but no." You can't use that. Uh, Uzo says, I wouldn't blame Arteta much. I think he wanted the players to have consistency with the same formation. That's fine. So do I, Uzo. I want to see consistency with the back four. I want to see those back four maintaining a, st- a stable kind of relationship. But the thing is, is if it's not working, you've got to change it. If what you're doing isn't having any impact, you have to change it. You can't just sit and pray and hope that what you have put out there is going to do the business when what you can see and what, we, all, what we can all see isn't working that's the big issue for me Matt says how long do we give Arteta with this young team if we're not in Europe if we don't get into European football this season he has to go that's the absolute minimum requirement you've spent 150 million pounds this summer you spent upwards of 75 million pounds last summer we've brought in the players that he wants you have to get top six you have to get top six if you don't get top six you have to go it's as simple as that Rich says, hey Tom, uh, a bit late uh, to the stream sorry was a bit disappointed we didn't uh we didn't win feel like we need to be winning those games to make it top four. thankfully, Mrs wasn't too bad. she's sad with the draw rich I know yeah, of course uh you have a, you' over off as a, a bright fan um I I think Brighton will be fine this season. They should be disappointed they didn't win. But what I would say is is they need to stop taking shots from stupid positions. They need to be better in their build-up play. They're they're rushing things. Um, I feel like if they take that extra pass rather than taking an earlier shot, they might find themselves scoring a few more goals. But they do need a better forward. They do need a better striker than Mopé. Um, they need someone who's a bit bigger, someone who's going to hold up the play more. And, and weirdly, like if they had LaCardia playing really well, I feel like LaCardia could be that player, but he's just not good enough, is he? But I feel like he's the perfect style of striker that they could do with if he was only a bit better than what he is and what they thought he was going to be when they signed him from PSV. Um Vuk says, the midfield yesterday let us down. They put numbers in at midfield. Partey was left on his own, as was Lekonga, often went to the left. As a result, the attack was isolated. I mean, Partey and Lukonga need to combat that better. Um, yes, the manager could change things by playing the four 3-4-3, three, 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 but Lukonga and Partey weren't great. Lukonga was better than Partey, but neither of them were great. Decision-making, positioning um, was really off. The style of passing was off. The way in which we didn't relieve pressure on our players was really poor. And I don't think you can excuse those two from the performance. Uh, Sahil says, Tom, uh, then there is a debate that Arteta constantly chops and changes formations and it doesn't help players and there's no winning for anyone. Uh, Sahil, I'm not saying we need to chop and change formations. I wanted to see a start with that formation yesterday. It's about how you change things in game. You can revert to the 4 2 3 1 for the next game against Crystal Palace if you want, or the 4 3 3. But it's not about chopping and changing formations uh sahil it's about managing a game that's getting away from you that you're being dominated in and so you change things you're not going to get criticized for chopping and changing the formation in game if we switch to 4 343 at the start of the match then you've got a bit of a, a, an argument but not when you change it in game because that's how you react to an opposition you change the style it's about being pragmatic, as Harrison says perfectly there. Uh, Matt says, managers have to adapt. I just don't see Arteta doing this. Uh, Amadeep says, Tinney was massive last season. There's still a bit of a massive upgrade on Tavares. Uh, he's obviously, yeah, I wouldn't be starting Tavares. I mean, if you, if you watch that game and thought Tavares needs to play, I, I don't agree. The only way that I would bring Tavares in is if you were to, say, move Tommy to right wing back play Ben White, Gabriel, Tierney, and then Tavares at left wing. back. that's the only way I would agree with bringing him in. So there you go. Uh, Tom, you were spot on with the analysis of the game. Did the weather make passing very difficult? The weather is always the same for both teams. That's That's all I say about that is that I thought it would actually suit us better because it would allow us to play more slick, quick passing. But it's the same for both teams, and you can't you can't use the weather as an excuse. Unfortunately, the only thing you can think you can mention is obviously if you're as Ramsdale talked about kicking the ball long into the wind, that's an issue. But then play it on the floor, play it from the back. It's as simple as that. Um, Brad says Lukonga played well but struggled to do the jackal. I don't think he played well. Um, I thought he was better than Partey, but I thought both of Partey and Lukonga were off. I don't think they were dreadful. I think Partey was dreadful. I don't think Lukonga was dreadful. I thought he was just. He was fine. Oh, I thought he was fine, Lukonga. I didn't think he was good. I didn't think he was bad. I just think they both didn't have the impact on the game that they needed. And I think that Lukonga, as you say there, Brad, wasn't able to do what Jacques is able to do. Quite simply, because he's not left-footed. And it sounds really basic, but sometimes you do lack a left-footer in the midfield, which is why I personally would go to the four-three-three. There's no, what what a lot of people like to do on social media or on their YouTube channels or whatever, is to sit and bash without not really offering any solutions. So here's your solution. You go to the 4-3-3, you play Partey as the single number six, and you draw Erdogan and Smith-Rowe back into number eight roles. How does that help? Well, it helps because you've then got the left footer in Erdogan playing that number eight role. You've got the right footer in Smith-Rowe. And then I think, personally, if Saka is fit, you put Martinelli on the left and you put Saka on the right. Martinelli can bring us some more goals. He's a right footer on the left-hand side, which gives us balance with Tierney on his left foot and with the left foot of Martin Odegaard as well. I wouldn't bring Pepe into the team. I just wouldn't bring Pepe into the team. I, I'm increasingly really kind of struggling with the idea of Pepe staying at Arsenal long-term. I think that, yeah, he brings, he'll give you an amount of goals and assists, but I think he's being really shown without those Europa League fixtures that it's a lot harder to rack up any goal contributions. And that's a problem. I mean, if we look back, people talk about the amount of uh, goal contributions that Nicolas Pepe brings to the team. But I do think that without the Europa League, those stats are not being anywhere near as padded as they were. I mean, he's got a goal and assist in the EFL Cup this season. And other than that, it's just the one assist, which he got very fortunately against Norwich. Um just scrolling down a little bit more uh, for last season, um, the one assists in the Premier League. Like you need more from your wide player. Scored ten goals, which is good. Uh, try and look at the ten goals. Where did they? Where did the ten goals come from? Sheffield United, Everton, Southampton, Wolves, Leicester, and then obviously scored four goals in on the last two game days. That kind of yeah. So across the season, when the games didn't mean anything, that's that's a problem. And he got six goals and four assists in the Europa League, so it's it's a problem for me because I think we need someone that's going to give you more. We don't have that. I'm not saying Martinelli's the the, the solution to those problems. I'm not sure that Martinelli's going to give it to you, but I just don't trust Pepe at the moment. I really don't trust Pepe uh, to bring us the goals and assists that we need across the season. Uh, and I think if if those last two games that meant absolutely nothing in the context of the league last season, where people can use, say, well, he scored 10 goals last season. but Four of those goals came in the last two games against opponents that it meant nothing in the regards to actually competitive fixtures. The pressure was off. It was done. So... I have a real problem with that left-hand side. I think it should be Martinelli over Pepe because I think we should be investing more time in Martinelli than Pepe. I think Pepe's been given plenty of opportunities. And I think that we should now be investing more time in Martinelli than Pepe. It's as simple as that for me. Um, but I think that I really do... <laughs> I don't know what he does. <laughs> he, I know that... I, I do Actually, that's a lot. I do know what he does. He likes to cut in on his left foot and take these shots, but... He's not an accomplished dribbler, as we thought. I think in Liga, with Lille, playing on the counter-attack, allowing yourself a lot more space to run in behind, he's good at that. But in a possession-based team in the Premier League, I just don't think it's working. Um, And if an offer came in in January or in the summer for Pepe, I'd probably take it. Uh, And I'd look to move on and just go, it's not worked. The Pepe experiment has not worked. And I'd move on from there. So there you go. Uh, Abote says, if FESA gave Pepe that pass, he will score. How was he supposed to give him that pass? Watch that situation back. Look at the positioning, the fantastic positioning of the Brighton defender. He's never getting that pass to Pepe. The amount of people that said, why haven't you passed it? Because the the defender, the defender was right there blocking any form of pass. He would have lost possession. Emile Smith-Rowe did the right thing, took the ball away from the defender and had a shot. Should score. In that situation he was never getting that pass to Pepe never getting that pass to Pepe whatsoever the defender dealt with that situation perfectly perfectly Um, Steve Stone says like some others I'm concerned with fitness levels seeing as only one game per week some of our players look spent Um, I mean we are pressing teams a hell of a lot like in the last three games so I'm not surprised it was a bit Luster. Maybe this international break will come at a perfect point. Seal so says, Tom, now looking at that, do we need a number six or someone in the Jacker mould from more of a deep line playmaker? We just need a left-footed player in the midfield that's going to give us what we need, which is a lot more passing out to the left and more direct passing. We need to find that left footer. I think that's what we need. We need to find that left footer or someone that's as confident on their left foot as they are on the right. Oh, I'd love, I'd love a Santi Cazorla. <laughs> um, Wengertes says, Tom, Lille played counter-attack. How ironic. Pepe slows down our counter-attack. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, Lille were really good in their season with Pepe uh, attacking on the counter, having the ball played in behind, a lot more space. But yeah, it's it's strange. His touch is really... I'm really surprised how bad his touch is at times. It's really poor. By the way, touch yesterday was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Like, I know it was wet, and you know, even the things he was taking on his chest just bounced off it like it was a basketball. Like it was ridiculous how poor the touch was. It was crazy. Um, Gunnar for Life says, Tom, look, uh, look back. He had a wonderful opportunity to pass. I'll look at it back. In fact, I'll do it right now. Um, uh, Emil Smith throw, I can't show it to you on the screen, um, because it would be copyright, but I can. Watch uh, the shot that he took against Brighton. Shots. One shot out of one. Uh, let me just close. Remove that. Uh, so pass comes through. Saka plays the ball through. Or is it Partey, I think? it's uh, running through. Defender. There is no chance to pass. There is no chance to pass that ball. I don't think he... Hold on. It's not That's Saka. It's not even Pepe. <laughs> That's Saka, isn't it? I've got it on a really small screen, so I can barely tell. Yeah, I don't think Smith-Rowe does anything wrong in that situation. And for one, that's... I need to make this full screen. I know this is really boring for you guys because you can't see... (laughs) You can't see what I'm talking about. But yeah, it's a really small screen. I can't tell. But that's... Yeah. I don't think you can turn around at all and say that he sh- he can pass in this moment. Just scrolling it back, defender. I think it might be Duffy. Can't tell from this angle. He's number twenty-four for Brighton. Whoever that is was excellent in that scenario. So it is. It is. It is Saka. I thought it was Saka. Um, I I don't know what he was meant to do in that situation. It was any different. Uh, to, to what he did because I think it's Duffy is dealing with that situation as an expertly as he can do. Um, no Jack and no controls, says papoose in the chat box. Our passing was atrocious, says John. Uh Mini says, if we had a taller striker, the ball would have stuck more in the midfield. If some butts, if it's <laughs> as a friend of mine would say, if, if some butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a very Merry Christmas. Um uh, Nishith, uh sorry, Nishith, uh says uh, that uh, that was a difficult pass. If Emile Smith-Rowe dropped his shoulder and tried to pass in between defenders, it would have worked, but needed to be too accurate. It was a really hard situation. I really don't think uh, that was an issue. Why is nobody talking about the non-penalty on Emile smith row? Oh, the one where he kicks the ball away off the field and then goes over. I didn't think that was a pen. I thought that would have been a very soft penalty if it was given. I mean, if you look at the one that Gabriel had against Spurs, like that was more contact than, than Emil Smith-Rowe had. I don't think that was a penalty. Um, Dawson says, we did not concede. We did not miss Xhaka. Dawson, I think you need to have a look at Lokonga's performance and see how Tierney was affected severely by the lack of the passes out to the left-hand side. We miss Xhaka massively um matt g says i'm trying to explain to my missus that we aren't just a group of people watching tom watch a game of football <laughs> i'm sorry i can't show you the i can't show you it because of copyright um but i will talk about it in our tactical kind of uh, breakdown over on the arsenal way um, and that will be one of the examples that we use because i don't think that was an issue whatsoever i mean, says tom would you bring el Nenny in for Conga?" no i I, d- I wouldn't because I don't think that solves anything. El Nini's another right-footed player. It doesn't change tactically the game. And I'd rather invest more time in Laconga. What I would do is, is I'd play Partey at six, take Le Conga out and put Smith-Rowe and Erdogan as the number eights and play 4-3-3. Three, three. Bring Martinelli in on the left-hand side. That's what I would do. I don't see it happening. Uh, Amandim says, thoughts on Ainsley Maitland-Niles coming in instead of Martinelli? Is Arteta's safety manager first? Oh. At that point in the game, I'm definitely bringing on Maitland-Niles all day long. I'm risking losing a point when Brighton are on top in those final minutes. No chance am I bringing on Martinelli. Absolutely no chance because we need to secure that point. At that point, you is more important to not lose than it is to try and win. All day long in the 88th minute or whatever it was, I'm not bringing on an attacker and risking, um, risking anything else. So I thought that was a fine substitution. But the problem was, is that we should have brought a mate niles at half-time and switched to 3-4-3. That's what we should have done, but we didn't. And uh, I think we paid the price. Uh, do you think this manager got sacked? Saka's not injured, Daniel. Um, he's fine. Uh, Brad says, I suspected we might struggle when pre-game Arteta brought up the point of complacency when asked about carrying over the confidence from last week. Had he seen players getting like that? Um Obviously, people are going to be well up for a North London derby. A cold night away on the south coast, just psychologically, it's, more, it's difficult, it's not an excuse, and we should be better than that. Um, but it's annoying that they get up for the North London derby and then can't get up for the game against Brighton. That's a frustration. Uh, John says, Parter and Samby must shoot sometimes to keep defenders honest and open passing lanes, but they can't shoot. What to do? Yeah, I mean, sure, one shot from Partey in a game is fine. But four or five from those ranges, no. Just no. You, you can't. Um, Sky, I disagree. <laughs> Not losing the game is more important than win than trying to win it in the final minutes in that context of that game. Just Maitland-Niles was the right sub. Asa says, hi, Tom. Do you think people are forgetting the fact that we have played Burnley and Brighton away without conceding a goal? No, I don't. I think they're just disappointed that we didn't win. Um, is what I think, Acer. which people are entitled to be disappointed that we didn't win. But I think really that when we look back at the season, we may really be thankful for that point against Brighton because not losing that game, not losing that momentum, not dropping a... a, a we're now five games unbeaten, was really, um, really important. So as I said before, not losing was more important than than trying to win in those final moments all day long um Saka should have also passed to Bamiang in the first half um I don't know what incident you're talking about to be honest um but you might be right <laughs> I just can't remember everything's a bit of a blur now Matt says do you think Partey was aiming for the wrong seagulls with his shooting uh Ben White's best game absolutely uh Papu says Partey decision making is not good without Xhaka Leon says Ainsley Maitland-Niles should have been the first sub on energy in the midfield I wouldn't have put him in the midfield I would have put him my right wing back and switched to 3-4-3 three, three. that's what I would have done with him Uh, Pepe is not good at decision-making. He needs to improve it. Mara is a similar player, but he makes the decision of when to pass and when to cut in really well and fast. I can't disagree with you, Sahil. I think that's spot on. Uh, I think we've probably eked out as much as we can from that game and so therefore we're going to wrap things up thank you ever so much guys for tuning in it's an absolute pleasure to speak with you as it always is hopefully there'll be some fun content coming out for you all today on the arsenal way so make sure you're subscribed over there and you're subscribed here we'll have a podcast coming out within the next 24 to 48 hours uh, and i should be joining the boys over on the arsenal way tomorrow night as well tonight is the return of me playing six aside football so i'm very much looking forward to that, um, But it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you guys as always. Stay positive. Don't get too annoyed after that result. We didn't lose and Brighton were excellent and we came away with a point. It's annoying. I think I think the fact that there's the international break probably affects people's moods more than the fact that we didn't win because we've got to wait two weeks until we can play again. But don't be down about that result. I thought that considering how Brighton were and considering how we were coming away with a point was really key and important. There are criticisms. and I think we've covered those, but I think that the way that we've defended... I think that the way that Aaron Rams does having an amazing effect on the team is is brilliant. and I think that there is hope that we've really got a solid defence to build a foundation from. I think we know what our problems are. I think we know where the issues are. We just now need to solve them. And fingers crossed we can do that. Have a fantastic rest of your weekend. Don't let the Arsenal game ruin it too much and uh, try to involve yourself into some more fun things on a Sunday. See you later, guys. Drop a like, subscribe to the channel if you're new around here. And, of course, as always, up the Arsenal.